I'm leaving today. I want to be part of it. New York, New York. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made, and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan, a couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. All right, everybody. Oh, good. And Dr. Oh, Tevin hey, Troy is here. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Start Spreading the News YouTube show on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. This is the number one show on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network, just ahead of Gloved Fist with Frank Laterzo and the legendary Jack Hirsch. They're on Monday nights at 7 p.m., and because I love them and I want people to make their show better, I'm encouraging everyone here to also tune into their show on Monday nights and help them try to beat us as the number one show on the network. I, of course, am Paul Semendinger, joined with my recalcitrant co-host, Dr. E.J. Fagan, and our wonderful special guest, our dear friend, Dr. Tevi Troy. And boy, do we have a treat for you tonight. We are going to play general manager. But first, let's welcome E.J. and Tevi. E.J., Tevi, how you both doing? Paul, doing wonderful. I want to put in a plug for the Bronx Beat Podcast. Yesterday, we recorded one of my favorite episodes in a long time. Paul, myself, and Andy discussed uh, uh, with uh, soon-to-be Dr. Mary Craig uh, of Baylor University, her dissertation on uh, the American political thought and baseball, the role that uh, uh, how Jackie Robinson fits into the story, this kind of tug of war between uh, what, what political theorists identify as republicanism and liberalism. Uh, and uh, and how A.J. Spaulding essentially invented this 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 myth of America's game. And a, a lot of the things we associate with baseball were, you know, kind of uh, it reminds me a little bit of the greatest showman of uh, uh, of, um, uh, of of a showman just kind of just inventing a myth out of whole cloth. A lot of things I didn't know. So uh, Mary Craig on the Bronx Beat podcast yesterday, highly recommend tuning in. It was a fun episode. What's fun about the Bronx Beat podcast is EJ and I trade roles. EJ takes the lead on that program, and and I'm the recalcitrant uh, guest or whatever. And and on this show, we just uh, do it a little opposite. Dr. Tevi Troy, how are you? Welcome. I think both shows are great. I like you in, I, either of you in both positions, and uh, I enjoy both. This is the first time I've seen you, Paul, since I read your terrific book, The Least Among Them. So I just want to put in a plug for that, and I uh, really enjoyed it. And uh it's, it's really a, a very interesting way of looking at history. So anybody who's listening to the show and hasn't gotten it, I strongly recommend. Dr. Tevi Troy, thank you very, very much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to spend the first 23 minutes. EJ wanted to do this with me talking about my family and, and, and the things that I did over the weekend. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, so we're going to do something very fun. We're going to do a, a mock draft. We're going to see if we can get through the whole roster. If we can't, we may have to make this a two-show special. But EJ, Tevi, and I are each going to be picking, position by position, the greatest Yankee, position by position, who's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it'd be easy if you just say, all right, I'll take Mantle. The next guy gets DiMaggio and the next guy gets Babe Ruth. That's simple. But we're doing it with guys who are not in the Hall of Fame. If you played for the Yankees, you qualify. But then at the end, we're going to see 
uh, and I'll figure this out when we're off air, when the show is over, whose team had the highest war as Yankees? So like Tim Raines was, well, he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's a good example. He's a Hall of Fame ball player. He was a Yankee, assuming we didn't have the Hall of Fame argument. If you took Tim Raines, you don't get credit for the Montreal Expos years. You just get credit for the Yankees years. So that adds a little twist to this. And and we have a draft order. Uh, EJ and Tevi were told about the draft order ahead of time. And I'm giving uh, Tevi the big decision to start. You can be person A, B, or C. And there's a draft order about who picks first for various positions based on which letter you pick. So this could be the decision like the coin flip in overtime in football that determines the winner. Tevi, are you going to be person A, B, or C? I'm going to go with C for uh, CC Sabathia, one of my favorite pitchers. Wow. All right. So that's interesting. And then because he's the co-host, but the reluctant co-host, EJ gets to pick the next if he wants to be A or B. Paul, I'm going A. All right. I, I figured that was a good thing to pick, but there's no real value to any of this. It's just it's just all in fun. So I get to pick B, which means we start at first base. And that means EJ gets the first pick. Non-Hall of Famer. Yep. Had to be a Yankee. EJ, it's all yours. Well, this is an easy one. I am going with uh, Mr. 40 Wins, a career as a Yankee, Mr. Don Mattingly. That's a great pick. You want to expand on that at all, or do you want you want to just keep? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we talked before about whether or not Don Manley deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he does, but I think he's pretty darn close. And you know, and, and, and to win this game, the, the the object of this game is to get enough enough people who are pretty darn close. And he gave me the choice to pick A. Uh, a gave me access to probably the best Yankee who's not in the Hall of Fame, other than I think a couple of very specific ones, um, and one of those guys that had played their whole career with the Yankees. So you benefit from his whole career. So yeah, give me Don Manley. Yeah, right, let me I just get, say, I, I agree with EJ that he's probably the best Yankee who played his whole career as a Yankee who's not in the Hall of Fame. I would I would agree with that as well, because the other guys, or Thurman Munson, but the other guys that we talk about, Nettles and Tommy John. Um, Gidry. Gid, well, Gidry played his whole career as a Yankee. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying, though, I say Gidry would be close as uh, someone who played his whole career as a Yankee, but yes. uh, not in the Hall of Fame. But Mattingly, I would put above him. But yes. I see you're saying people like Nettles who played elsewhere. Yeah, Tommy John and uh, yeah, exactly. All right, so I get the second pick. I'm going to pick the most underrated Yankee first baseman then of all time, one of the greats. And I think he was a career Yankee. Everybody remembers him as the guy with the headache, but he was actually, he led the league in home runs, I think, two times. And his name is Wally Pipp. Wally Pipp plays for the Paul Semendinger team. And uh, that leads to Tevi Troy to get the last pick at first base. I just got to say a quick thing on on Wally Pip, which is I learned from your book that he's one of only three Yankees to lead the league in home runs in consecutive years. And the other two were Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, but my pick for first base is uh, probably not so well known among everybody. Uh, has a great nickname, though. It's uh, Bill Moose Scourin. Uh, was a player for the Yankee teams in the late 50s and early 60s. And interesting thing about Moose Scourin is he played for the 62 Yankees that won the World Series, and then he turned around and went for the 63 Dodgers who beat the Yankees, actually swept them in the World Series. So that's one interesting thing about Moose Scourin. He's also on that 1960 team that had six, no, 61 team that had six players with 20 or more home runs, and he's one of them. A great Yankee and a great pick. All right, so this this is a we we've got three good teams so far. We never gave our team names. Maybe we should have. Maybe that should have been the start. But 
that's just getting too silly. So it looks as though I get to pick first then for second base. And I'm going to take the guy I think everybody would probably want. Um, at least I bet you Dr. Tevi would, would be wanting the guy I want. I think EJ might go in a different direction, but I'm going with my heart. And I, he probably is the best one anyway, but Willie Randolph. Another guy who probably should be in the Hall of Fame um, or again, you know, pretty darn close. And, uh, you know, you get you get a player coach. So, you know, we, we, we're not picking managers here, but uh, you know, Willie Randolph uh, would be a, a wonderful manager or bench coach for this team. That is true. Maybe I'll have him be my player manager. You know, Willie Randolph's close to the Hall of Fame. I think uh, Lou Whitaker would probably have to get him first, maybe Bobby Gritch. But once you, once you get those guys in, Willie Randolph's probably the best second baseman who's not in the Hall of Fame after those two guys. So that'd be interesting. Uh, Dr. Troy, you pick second. Well, I, um, I, I'm going a little less heart on this one because uh, I'm going with my head on uh, Robinson Cano. Uh, I don't have the strongest feelings about him, especially uh, towards the latter part of his career. But he was on that 09 World Series winning team, and he was definitely on a Hall of Fame trajectory before he went in an ugly direction with uh, steroids. Yeah, it's a great pick. And, you know, it's amazing when you look at his stats just how elite Robinson Cano was. I don't, I don't think we felt it at the time. Like, we all knew he was really great, but when you actually look at his numbers, he was, you know, he put up 30 wins over the course of about his last five seasons with the Yankees. And was pretty productive with Seattle. You know, his last couple of years, he had the suspension, he had some injuries. Uh, but as far as mega contracts go, that that worked out, one worked out pretty well for them. No doubt. You you get a second baseman now, EJ. Well, I was going to pick Rom, Robinson Cano. I thought uh, that was your guy. Listen, my, my, my strategy today is to go with the dark arts. Uh, and so I'm going to go with a player that I don't know anything about, really. So maybe you guys can tell me a little bit about him. However, uh, played his entire career with the New York Yankees. Um, is uh, uh, you know was one of those players that was overshadowed on one of those teams that was winning the, the World Series every other year, uh, and that is uh, Gil McDougald. 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 Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, McDougald. Uh, I don't know anything about pick. him, frankly. His stats are great. Played his whole career with the Yankees. Again, won about a million World Series, uh, but uh, that's all I know about him. Second baseman. I'm sure he got hit in hit in a lot by DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. He's best known actually for that line drive that hit Herb Score in the eye and, and basically ruined Herb, Herb Score's career. Obviously not intentional, and he felt bad about it. But uh, and and I think that was no the last of his great productivity too, because I, I I always heard when I watched the games as a kid that he was less of an aggressive hitter after that because he really hurt Herb Score. Yeah, now, he had a real short career too. I mean, he, you know, he started at twenty three, he leaves at thirty two. Um, yeah, it, it's, I wonder if there was an injury or something at the end of his career that ended. I, I just don't know enough. I don't know that. I do know that you could have picked, we, we had a rule here that we talked about, uh, an email before the program where the player has to have played a significant amount of time at the position, not just a couple of minutes or, you know, an insignificant amount of games. And Gil McDougal was a guy who could have gone probably for shortstop or third base as well, but EJ snacks him, uh, up as the second baseman. So that's a great pick. And now, reluctantly, because I'm never going to get the guy I want now, uh, Tevi gets to pick first for third base. Yeah, this is actually one of the advantages of uh, Selection C, which is picking first for third base, where there's a real advantage to going with uh, Alex Rodriguez at third. I mean, he's obviously has uh, you know, Hall of Fame numbers, even though he's not going to make the, the Hall of Fame, or at least uh, uh, until they change their policies on steroids. Um, and it's also important to remember that I mean, he gave up shortstop. He was an elite shortstop. He gave up shortstop to play third base 
for the Yankees. So Jeter could stay at the position. Arguably, uh, A-Rod was a better defensive shortstop than Jeter was a def- defensive shortstop. I know heresy to some people, but I think it's true. And uh, he really put up some very gaudy and good numbers for the Yankees for a long time, even though he caused a lot of frustration for the Yankees. But uh, I will say that I was in Philadelphia uh, for that game in, that he won uh, in the World Series in two, 2009, uh, when they would not have won that game, they would not have won that postseason uh, without him. He really, they said he was a bit of a choke in the postseason, but he really stepped up in the postseasons of 2009. And, and uh, I guess a lot of credit for that 2009 World Series victory. Absolutely. EJ? Um, I'm sorry, Paul. Greg Nettles. So Greg Nettles look, should be in the Hall of Fame. He's, He's a 65-win player. He's on your wall behind you. Uh, however, uh, even though he didn't play his entire career with, with the Yankees, he played by far his most productive years with the Yankees. Uh, he had a, just a really elite late late 20s, early 30s, uh, put up you know just, just some incredible seasons, including an eight-win season at one point. Uh, and so, yeah, give me, give me Greg Nettles. I think he's the easy number two behind uh, the easiest, easiest dark arts pick in the, uh, in the draft in Alex Rodriguez. All right. Do we have anything about trading draft picks to get your favorite player? I didn't think of that a- avenue there, but but I think we need to. I, I got to get Nettles on my team. I can't have my team without Nettles. All right. Anyway, I I think we're going off the air at this time. I'm taking my toys and going home. I'm not going to play anymore. <laughs> All right. So now I've got a pick. Growing up as a kid, they always said I had a little set of these baseball cards. TCMA made them of the greatest Yankee at each position. And the third baseman that always made that was Red Rolf. So my choice is between Red Rolf, home run Baker, Cleet Boyer, who really didn't hit much, but he was a great defensive third baseman, and Wade Boggs. And that's a tough one. Uh, You know, I'm going to go for the fun pick here. And I'm going to take Frank Home Run Baker. Uh, he probably had better numbers when he was with the uh, Philadelphia A's. But how can you go wrong with Home Run Baker? Oh no, he's in the Hall of Fame. I can't take him. All right, so my my I'm going to have to pick. Mm, I'm going to have to pick Red Rolf. I wasn't even thinking about that. That he's in the Hall of Fame. So I'll take Red Rolf because in those baseball cards as a kid, he was the best third baseman. All right, brings us to shortstop. Uh, a remarkably thin position for the Yankees. Is- is EJ. Yeah. Shortstop. In terms of to pick a shortstop who's not a Hall of Famer, it's actually kind of tough for the Yankees. There's not a lot of players. I'm doing my best not to look up career win numbers uh, before I pick the player. Uh, but I think looking at this, I'm going to take a bit of a, a left field pick, a player who um, wasn't with the Yankees for very long, but he had a lot of good seasons, and that's Didi Gregorius. I look at Didi Gregorius right here. You know, he was with the Yankees for what? Five seasons, um, One, the last of which he was injured. Um, and just put up just, I think, some really, really strong numbers during during that period of time. So I don't know how you're going to calculate this at some point, at point in time. But when we look at like kind of war per season, he's going to be pretty high, actually, on, on some of these on some of these uh, some of these teams. Um, but uh, it doesn't have a long career, a career of a lot of other players. But the Yankees are pretty thin. The top two top two shortstops are in the Hall of Fame. Rizzuto got in on, on a, I don't know if he got in for playing or if he got in for his announcing career, but yeah, it still counts either way. Um, and then I think once Peter Reese obviously. was in, they kind of felt they had to give it to Rizzuto too, because they, they had similar trajectories. And if, uh, Rizzuto had a great career, right? So, you know, yeah. you know, and MVP, not, 1950, yeah. hit 324. Yeah. I, I mean, so, you know, so beyond those two, you know, there's not really a lot of really great options, especially because there's a bunch of names here that I don't really recognize. So, 
Uh, so give me give me the one I do, one of my favorite players of the last decade, Didi Gregorius. All right, I'm going to make my one son, Alex, very happy here because I'm going to pick a turn-of-the-century guy. And when I was researching the least among them, this guy's name came up all the time. Uh, I think he'd also played for the Tigers. He was a scrappy ball player. And his name was Kid Elberfeld. <laughs> and Kid Elberfeld is going to be the shortstop on my team. I, th I think I might have just lost the contest, but I'm taking him. And we turn it over to Tevi. Well, I'm actually going to go with the only Yankee shortstop to win the MVP who's not in the Hall of Fame, which is Roger Peckinpah. Won a 1925 MVP for the Yankees. He was in those great 20s teams, and um, he, he's my pick. Roger uh, Peckinpah was a player manager, uh, um, and uh, he, that's a great pick. I wrote an article about him uh, a number of months ago on the blog. I argued that he had the greatest season of any shortstop ever. He didn't have great numbers, but... He played every inning of every game for an entire season one year for the Yankees. Wow. How's that? Nobody else even touched shortstop for the entire year. And that was the year. It's like 1914 or something. He was like 20-something years old, and they made him the manager for the last 30 games. So he played every inning of every game, and he managed for a month or so. So pretty neat guy. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky because we made the rule where the outfielders had to have played that position. You're not just picking the best three outfielders. You're picking the best left fielder, the best center fielder, and the best right fielder. Oh, and I get to go first in left field? Is that how it goes? Oh, boy, this is tough then. I have, I have a couple of heartfelt picks here. I think I, think the, I have to go with the, the smartest choice in left field. A super long Yankee tenure, a great, great, underrated Yankee, and uh, someone very, very special in left field for my team is number six. The left fielder, number six, Roy White, number six. Good pick. Good pick. So, yeah, I took Underside Roy. Yankee. He doesn't get a lot of credit, but uh, he was a terrific player in those late 70s teams. Absolutely. And he was came up in like 65, so he played a long time. Here, here's an interesting fact, a couple of interesting facts about Roy White real quickly. Roy White was a teammate with Mickey Mantle when he came up, obviously, in the first couple of years of his career. After he left the Yankees, he went to play for the Tokyo Giants, and he was a teammate with Sadahara O. And then he coached uh, when Matsui came over. So he and Hideki Matsui are the only two guys in the history of baseball to win world championships with the Yankees and the Yamiori Giants. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yes. And Tevi, you get the next pick in left field. Yeah, here's a player I always uh, admired reading about him uh, when I was growing up because uh, he had a great nickname, uh, Charlie King Kong Keller. Uh, he was a terrific left fielder. Uh, he went to University of Maryland, which is right near where I live right now. Um, Five-time All-Star. 286 lifetime batting average, just a just a strong all-around player and just kind of a stalwart of those Yankees teams of the 40s. He was. He was great. And uh, I understand he hated to be called King Kong. That I've, I've read that. But how could – I mean, I'd love if somebody would call me King Kong. It, well, hopefully he, he won't come after me because I think he's no longer with us. But, uh. He isn't. But, but, yeah, great pick. Left field, EJ. The walk-on at the at the College of Charleston, one of my favorite players of the last couple of decades, Mr. Hustle, Brett Gardner. 
Um, going to go down, I think, as uh, one of those careers, when you actually look at the numbers, I don't think people remember him as good as he is. Uh, he's one of those players that I think deserves to have, you know, some some significant recognition at the end of his career. Won a World Series with the Yankees, was a big reason why during his entire career, the Yankees did not have a losing season. There were periods when the Mark Teixeira's and Alex Rodriguez's of the world were not performing. And Brett Gardner was the best player on a lot of those teams for a long time. Had some of the best defensive seasons, best base running seasons is since basically Ricky Henderson was on the team. Just a, just a phenomenal baseball player. Going to miss him. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons that he's underrated is it's the Yankees' fault. I mean, they constantly were acting as if, well, we're going to leave Brett Gardner there, but we're looking for something better. And there was always this sense that he wasn't really what they wanted, but he was a terrific player. I believe he's over 40 war for his career. Uh, you know, there was that old joke that uh, a piano could fall on Brett Gardner, right? And he'd still uh, be uh, the number one outfielder for the Yankees each year. So, I mean, he just he showed up, he played, and uh, uh, I think it's a great pick. A piano would fall, it would miss, it would hit the center fielder. Right. Uh, and then Brett Gardner <laughs> would be in center field for the rest of the year. That's true. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the guys, they kept moving him off center. Jacoby Ellsbury, Aaron Hicks, and then those guys get hurt, and then Brett ends up back in he's center field. He's the perpetual field underdog, right? Again, he's the walk-on from the College of Charleston. Every step along his way, when he was a prospect, when he hits the major leagues, no one bet on him to continue being as good as he was. And then all of a sudden, he's still putting up three and four win seasons in his late 30s. I mean, it's he might be and, there again this year. Yeah, I think he might. And and when he came up, it was like everybody thought Melky was going to be the better player, right? Like they came up around the same time. So great, you know, also great just player. retired Melky Cabrera, um, uh, and also had a steroid scandal, or not also steroid. Melky Cabrera, Melky Cabrera has career derailed after a, a steroid scandal. Now this is a hard one, center field, because I don't know how deep this is w- with center field. Um, Tevi gets to pick first, and I think the. Choice is probably pick. obvious. There's a first pick here, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this center field is another one of the big advantages of position C because uh, uh, Bernie Williams, I mean, I, you know, I, there's a good argument to be made that he should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, the best Yankee center fielder who's, who's not in the Hall of Fame, uh, part of a long tradition of, of great Yankee center fielders. But he, um, and look, he, I mean, he was the guy who not only was very steady in the regular season, but really clutch in the postseason. I think he had an 850 OPS postseason. And, uh, you know, everybody remembers that 1996 home run uh, against the Braves when the Yankees were were looking down and out and they came back and won, won that series in large, large part to uh, due to Bernie Williams and one of his 22 postseason home runs. So uh, uh, a lot of props to Bernie Williams. I'm getting worried because my next pick, I think, is going to be taken by EJ. Yeah, Bobby Mercer, uh, another you know another longtime Yankee guy, guy who stayed with the organization, tragically died, uh, I guess now over a decade ago. Um, but I think Bobby Mercer is one of those guys who will always have like a, a special place in Yankee history, in part because of the teams he played on, uh, and in part because you know he stayed with the team afterwards as an announcer. Um, I will say though that if he gets injured, uh, Brett Gardner is available. Uh, and I will slide him over to be my center fielder. Yes, because Gardy was going to be my number three pick if I had to go third in center field, which I do. And I and uh, it was going to go Bernie, Mercer, Gardy. So I'm in trouble. Um, all right, I'm going to have to go with my youth then. And I'm going to have to pick the best Yankee uh, center fielder who I... Hmm? Or Granderson. There's the question of Curtis Granderson. He put up some big home run years. It's either going to be Granderson or Mickey Rivers. Hmm. Am I allowed to phone a friend? 
I they get better stories with Mickey Rivers. Yeah, that's true. And and if I pick a different guy, he and he and Mickey can argue a lot. If I pick somebody for the DH, oh, I can't pick him because that's Reggie. Reggie's in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, I'm gonna take Mickey Rivers. And uh, how how can you go wrong if you have Mickey Rivers? So Mickey Rivers is my center fielder. And this is going really well. Mike Whiteman actually uh, put a comment and we didn't get it up live, but he was asking about Hal Chase for first base. So that's, that's a great pick too. But Hal Chase, of course, if he was on our team, he'd, he'd throw it for the other team. He was known to gamble a lot. So Hal Chase didn't get, didn't get the nod. And we go to right field. Steroids on our teams, but not gambling. That's correct. (laughs) Actually, Hal Chase would do very well today with uh, all those betting apps and all that kind of stuff. He'd, he'd be running them. Join the, uh, whatever they called the uh, draft busters, how chase version. All right, EJ, you get right field. So right field is another position that is pretty deep. The Yankees it's have a deep. lot of guys who are very similar right field. Uh, it's really just a matter of taste. And I'm going for my number four hitter, cleanup hitter, a uh, guy who had uh, a really remarkable short career with the Yankees, but was as good as they come during uh, at least a few of his years with the Yankees. That's Roger Maris. Wow. Um, I you know, not I, see I, you that know, coming. Roger Maris had, one of the best peaks that you could you could pick throughout the, throughout the the, uh, the this roster, right? He's a guy who could go toe to toe with Mickey Mantle for a couple of years. Now he didn't he didn't do it for that long. I don't think he had a thousand games with the Yankees. Uh, but you know, if I go back and if we if we just pick everybody's best season uh, from this list, I I think Roger Maris might have second or third best season on this list, which is pretty incredible. It's a great pick. I did not think you were going to take Roger Maris. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. The direction I might now have to go in. Tough call. I, You know, Babe Ruth is in the Hall of Fame. I can't take George Herman Ruth, can I? To play right field? No. All right. I was thinking of Charles Mantle in center field, too, when I was down to the last pick, but I didn't think that would fly. I'm going to take the guy I think Tevi's going to take because he was a teammate with uh, Charlie Keller. He was known as Old Reliable, and he was the guy who was actually batting when Mickey Owens dropped the third strike in the uh, 41 World Series. He was a clutch hitter. He was a classy guy, um, and his name was Tommy Henrik, and he'll play right field for me. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I was going to take Tommy Henrik, but... um... I think I'm going to go instead with another guy who is really re- reliable and some great uh, Yankees teams, uh, which is Hank Bauer. Oh. You know, it's amazing how many good right fielders are still on the board, right? We could have gone Aaron Judge. We could have gone thinking. Paul O'Neill. Uh, you know, we could have gone Dave Winfield. No, Winfield's uh, in the, the Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm sorry. Winfield's in the we hall. get mixed up with that. Yeah. I've, I've, I've yeah. made that mistake a couple times. Not all of because of his Yankee years, maybe. It, well, it's, it's just it's amazing because you know this is this is not a list of a lot of you know lefties. So you know, Mike says Paul O'Neill. Yeah, we could have gone him. There's not not a lot of of you know big slugging lefties on this list, but the Yankees always seem to have uh, a really great right fielder in, in the field. It's 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 pretty incredible. And I, I EJ, I thought when you picked Roger Maris, I thought you were when you said I want my. Number four hitter. I thought you were going for Aaron Judge. Absolutely, positively. I mean, he'd also be a great pick, and in a year, he's probably going to be a better pick, right? I mean, Aaron Judge is still putting up those numbers, and if he's if if he gets signed to a long term deal with the Yankees, even if he doesn't have a Hall of Fame thirty, you know, he's not the kind of guy who who just you know keeps keeps hitting like crazy till he's forty. He's going to go down as the greatest right fielder in Yankee history, and you know, 
borderline one of the best outfielders in Yankee history. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got, just, you've got Ruth to contend with, but right. Well, I mean, you got Ruth. Yeah, you, you know, you have you have well, Ruth. Yeah, Dalton Maggio, right? You, you have I mean, Ruth. You have, um, you have you have all the center fielders, obviously. But like, Aaron Judge is going to have a really impressive resume by the end of this. Um, I hope he spent his whole career with the team. A lot, a lot of these players are guys who played, you know, seven seasons with the Yankees and then go played somewhere else. Um, but the Yankees, the Yankees, if they can afford to keep him, I think we'll we'll get to see a potential Hall of Fame career out of a guy who just sticks with his one team. I think I think you're absolutely correctly. Just a quick programming note: next week, Oscar Gamble. I got <laughs> you. Gotta love Oscar. One of my favorites. I saw Oscar Gamble hit a home run in the uh, 1981 division playoffs after the strike against the Milwaukee Brewers. That thing went out of the stadium in an instant. And Oscar Gamble was number 17, and he uh, hit it right over the 417 mark. I loved it. He batted in that little crouch. Loved Oscar Gamble. Yeah, Paul, That's that was great. a surprise picture that I was telling you about uh, if Oscar Gamble's name came up. That is awesome. Oscar Gamble's phenomenal. Um well, with catcher, I get to pick one of my favorites, but this is this position's pretty deep, and I don't know if I'm, how much of an advantage I'm going to get, but if I go first to catcher, there's no way I'm not taking the captain. So Thurman Munson will be behind the dish on my team, and I would say of all the guys we've picked, except maybe for Nettles, but I think he's going to – I think Nettles will eventually be in the Hall of Fame, but I think Munson will get there first. Yeah, I think Munson may make up for your absence of nettles on your team because you've got such affection for him. <laughs> um, and I think he also he's a guy who would have made the hall if not for that tragic plane crash in 1979 that um, uh, that you know, every Yankee fan knows where they were when they heard that that terrible news. I mean, it's pretty incredible that he isn't in the hall. Um, if you just look at his numbers, he, he stacks up in terms of catchers in the Hall of Fame. You know, catchers don't put up the big counting stats. They don't put up 60-plus wins. It's because they're catchers, right? They break down. They don't have long careers. And if you just look at a list of, of, of Hall of Famers, there's just not enough catchers in there. It's an important position. It's arguably the most important position on the field. On the field. And it's just something that Hall of Fame voters don't respect enough. It, it, um, it really is incredible that, I mean, one of these committees is going to have to put Munson in one of these days. Yeah, he, he rookie of the year. MVP, two-time World Series winner, real gamer. I mean, I, I agree. I'm a big Munson fan. He'll go in. It's it's just a matter of time. Uh, the second pick for catcher goes to Tevi. Well, I can't have Munson on the team, but uh, it's hard to go wrong with Jorge Posada, who was a terrific player, 275 lifetime home runs, and uh, was you know, one of the core four, uh, won a bunch of World Series with the Yankees, and um, – uh, just, I think, a bit of an underrated catcher. I mean, every year in, year out. I mean, he was putting up good numbers and, and playing good defense behind the plate. And was secretly a year older, which we all found out not that long ago. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the, those are the obvious top two picks of catcher, and I'm going to take the obvious third pitch, pick, which is Elston Howard. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those things that's amazing about Elston Howard, he was the first black, uh, uh, black Yankee, and he was called up not, not until 1955. The Yankees took that long to integrate. Only, I believe, only the Red Sox took longer than the Yankees uh, to integrate. And um, uh, you know, he, he was he was great, and you know, and uh, ended up being you know, one of the best catchers in Yankee history. But should have been called up much sooner. And he would have had MVP. better, yeah, better numbers even too if the Yankees didn't have Yogi because he played in the outfield when he came up. You know, they, it was a slow transition between El be, be, before Elston Howard became the catcher and Yogi moved to the outfield. 
That's one heck of a handoff, right? You're handing mm. off you know, catcher from Yogi to Elston Howard. Come on. That's and awesome. Elston Howard, I believe this is true, invented the batting donut. Really? I believe so. I believe he's oh, the inventor of the batting donut. The weighted donut that you put on your bat before you go up. All right. Now, the starting pitching, we're going to pick only three starting pitchers. Um, the C person, which is Tevi, uh, gets to go first. He gets to, th- oh, man, what a what an advantage. You you did a good job by picking the right letter. The yeah, first it, pitcher it, goes to, t- to uh, Dr. Tevi Troy. This was a little tough for me because I have such affection for uh, a guy who uh, – uh, we've mentioned earlier, and I know somebody's going to pick him, uh, the Gator Ron Gidry, but I'm going to have to go with Andy Pettit. Uh, just such a terrific career. Also close to Hall of Fame. Um, maybe a good argument that he should be in there. 19 postseason wins, which is just a tremendous statistic. I don't know if anyone's ever going to equal that. Uh, so a- Andy Pettit's my guy. I, it's a great pick. I just uh, wrote an article about David Ortiz and if the argument – uh, and they mentioned this when they mentioned his election uh, the other day last week uh, – if a lot of that's based upon postseason numbers, I don't know how you say that his postseason numbers are much more, more impressive than Andy Pettit's. And if you're going to say he made it because of 500 home runs, I made the argument that Andy Pettit's uh, 200, uh, two, more than 250 wins uh, is a harder feat in this day and age than somebody hitting 500 home runs. So I agree with you, uh, Dr. Tevy, that Andy yeah. Pettit belongs in the Hall of Fame. I've got a bit of a weird uh, suggestion here. I think that if Pettit had not, left the Yankees. If he'd stayed the Yankees whole career, maybe he's more likely to be a Hall of Famer. And that interlude with the Astros just, I don't know, just may have changed how people looked at him a little bit. I think you're right. And I'm going to pick the guy that you, oh no, nope, I'm not next. I believe I'm picking next, uh, Paul, and I will be picking Ron Guidry. This is not working out. Perhaps the greatest single season uh, in Yankee history is 1978 season was just just phenomenal. one One of the absolute most elite performances the Yankees have ever seen, uh, but also had a really solid career other than that season. He, you know, he placed in Cy Young award voting regularly. Uh, you know, the numbers by today's standard are things like, like strikeouts don't really, don't really pop out to you the same way that uh, you know, modern pitchers do, but it's just because of the era he played in. He, he was an elite player. Um, didn't have as long as a long of a career as uh, you would have hoped. There's the reason why he's not in the hall of fame, uh, but still put up a pretty incredible Yankee career. You you are correct. Now, actually, because we're doing this like in a snake, I get the next two picks. That's kind of cool. Um, Tevi, do you remember when Panasonic was making TVs and all that kind of stuff all back in the sure. day? I remember my parents bought a camping TV. The screen had to be this big, black and white. It was a Panasonic. The thing itself was probably this long and it had this big, giant battery, but you could plug it in. And the screen had to be like this size. I watched Gidry's 18 strikeout game on that TV. It was the coolest, <laughs> the coolest. I remember thing ever. that game. It was a Saturday night. I remember where I was watching it too. It was a bigger TV, but still, <laughs> I uh, I was glued to the TV that night. That it's was great. Um, all right, so my 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 first pick. Um, oh boy, I'm thinking. I, I, I don't think you can go wrong if you take CC Sabathia. I that that just makes too much sense. And the second pitch pick is going to be a Yankee who uh, I met once at a fan fest and asked him real quickly. I said, uh, "You could have been a Hall of Famer if you had played in any other era, probably, but you played for the Yankees during like the worst time from like 1964 to 1975, and that's a great old right-handed pitcher." 
named Mel Stottlemyer. So my two picks are Cece and Stottlemyer. And I'm just going to hope that you guys leave the one other guy I really want over the next four picks. Back to EJ. No, yes, back to EJ. Sorry, my mic's off there. Did not have a long career at the New York Yankees. I will be choosing the dark arts, Mr. Roger Clemens. Mm. Greatest pitcher of all time. You know, he only had, what, like five, six years with the Yankees total, so his war numbers aren't going to be incredible. Uh, but he had a great time with the Yankees. He won, he won some World Series. He put up some pretty incredible numbers for a few seasons, and he's the greatest pitcher of all time. Uh, so not in the Hall of Fame. That's not hitting well. It is his fault. But it's not uh, not his fault for the same reasons that uh, some of these other players aren't, aren't in the Hall of Fame, and I will gladly have him as my starting pitcher. All right, now here's the interesting thing. Uh, Tebby gets the next two picks. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so I think I'm going to go for my first pick. With Bob Shockey, four-time 20 winner for the Yankees in the 1920s and was on that 27, uh, perhaps the greatest team of all time, Murderer's Row. And then for my next pick, I'm going to pick for a guy who, you know, I really love this guy. I was sorry he never won a World Series, but Mike Messina mm. came up from the Yankees, was nothing but good with the Yankees, but he came just at that wrong window. Uh, he was on the 2001 team uh, that didn't win. I believe um, he is a Hall of Famer. Oh, that's true. So that's is he in the hall? He is. Yeah. He, is. He, got, he did eventually get elected. It was like his eighth or ninth ballot. It took a while. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go with someone else. Um, give me one sec here. I think I'm going to go with uh, with um, Ray Caldwell. Mm. Ray Caldwell, a spitballer um, who uh, pitched for the Yankees in 1910 to 1920 before they became great. Uh, but, you know, was just a solid pitcher year in, year out. And uh, it was a bit of a partier. They said he would have had a longer career, if not for the parties. But um, he's my pick. All right. I'm going to round up my staff uh, by going with a player who I think will have a really strong couple of years. And if we recalculate this game in a few years, I think it might turn out very well. And that is Luis Severino. I think it's underrated how great Severino was for those two, two and a half seasons, that two and a half season stretch. Uh, when he really made his debut. He was deep in the games. He had a great ERA. He wasn't walking guys. Just really was an elite player. And I think we saw flashes of that uh, this season. And I am confident he's going to get back to that level. And I think uh, I think you could see him put up some pretty some pretty great numbers over the next few years. That's wow, interesting. So you're betting on the come. Yep. I got to wow. say, that, that's the most surprising pick I've heard all night. That's um that's Me very too. interesting. I mean, if you look at the list of, of, of Yankee starting pitchers that aren't, aren't in the Hall of Fame to come from, there's a couple of guys that, um, you know, there's some obvious picks, right? And, and I'm sure Paul can, is going to pick some of, some of those obvious picks. But there's a lot of guys who just were kind of okay. Right? You've got like Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, you've got David Wells. You know, you've got El Duque. Right? A lot of guys who put up a lot more, you know, played a lot more time than Luis Severino. But I actually don't think maybe except for Cone. Any of them really had a peak anywhere near as good as those two seasons from Severino. Interesting. I'm 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 not as high on Severino's past, and I'm definitely not as high on his future. I hope he stays injury free, but I don't think he will. So, as so, a huge Yankees fan, I just want to say I hope that the future years, the years to come, bear out your pick, and that he swamps everybody in war. I I, I agree a hundred percent. So there's a couple of good choices here. I get the last starting pitcher. Um, Spud Chandler won an MVP, pitched uh, in the 40s. He's an interesting pick. Tommy John, 
is a future Hall of Famer. I think he's a guaranteed going in now that Jim Cock got in. And then there's El Duque, who I loved and is one of my favorites. Now the question is, do I pick the guy I like the most? Because he was El Duque and he was my uh, son's. He's born on my son's birthday. EJ doesn't want to do the family stories, but my my son was born the night after EJ pitched that great game against the Cleveland Indians after the game with Chuck Knobloch, you know, didn't do what he was supposed to do. And the headline said, uh, Blockhead, but it's spelled like Knobloch. And then the Yankees won that next game that was a must-win game. It was El Duque. And he was then born the next morning. And I said to my wife, let's name him El Duque. And she said, no, we're not naming our son El Duque. Uh, that's not it, it, We're not Spanish. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, it would have been great. I wanted to. And El Duque's birthday is October 11th, and that's the day my son was born. I thought it was perfect. But the smart pick is to pick the better pitcher, and I'm taking Tommy John. So Tommy John finishes out my rotation, and looks like I get to go first then for the relief pitchers, and I will take one of my favorites. It comes down to really two guys, but I'm going to take the guy that I really just rooted for. loved him. He didn't just eat spaghetti. He ate Rigetti spaghetti, as the commercial said, and Dave Rigetti will be my closer. He's a great pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the most dominant relief pitcher I have ever seen oh, in wait a my minute. life. Oh, I think Tevi's next. Was it? Oh, Tevi's next. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well. Don't um, pick, don't, I, I do want to say um, on Rigetti, I mean, remember it as a reliever, obviously great as a reliever, his numbers there, but that um, that July 4th, 1983, no-hitter against the Red Sox is a great moment. So he started enough to get that great no-hitter in. Uh, my pick is somebody who I really loved growing up, and I, I think the Yankees done him wrong a little bit. But it's Sparky Lyle. Mm-hmm. He was traded for the Red Sox, showed up the Red Sox immediately with 35 saves on the board in 1972, wins the Cy Young in 77, is nothing but good for the Yankees for all those years he's there. And then, I don't know why, they got Goose Gossage, who was a great reliever, but it was a big slap in the face to Lyle. He was never the same and left the Yankees two years after that. Uh, but Sparky Lyle is my pick for um, my first reliever. Do you know who is in the Sparky Lyle trade? Danny Cater? Uh, no, uh, no, yes, I think the the one the, with the Red Sox. But when they sent him to the Rangers, do you, you know who the Yankees got? Rigetti. Rigetti, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right, EJ, you get the third guy. The most dominant player I have ever seen in my life. Um, more dominant than even you know Mariano Rivera at his at his peak, at least that, that I can remember. You know, two you thousands know, Mariano Rivera. I don't remember nineteen ninety five very well, uh, or nineteen ninety six very well. Is Dylan Batances. Absolutely incredible. Uh, just the, the power coming out of Batances when he was on was just unhittable, just absolutely unhittable. And you could, you know, you could bring him on with, with men on and nobody out and he could get you three strikeouts better than anybody I've ever seen. Uh, sad that, you know, the end of it, the second half of his career didn't go as well as the first half of his career. I really hope that he would, he would stick around for a long time, but um, just, uh, just one, of you know, the kid from the Bronx, the, the great story. I I love Dylan Batances. And you actually get the next guy, EJ, the second and final guy in the bullpen. Well, I'm going for David Robertson, uh, another another mean. contemporary Batances, another guy who I don't think we re- like we appreciate how great he was. Um, again, like Batances was able to strike guys out. We called him Houdini. Could get get out of jams. A very different player from Batances, right? Batances was this giant hulking beast of a man, whereas David Batances, uh, uh, David Robertson you know, was pretty small, um, but he, and he didn't really throw all that hard. One of the great things about, about uh, Robertson that I love is it was for a while a mystery of what the heck is going on. How can he fool batters as well as he does? 
And the answer turned out to be that he released the ball further from the plate than pretty much any baseball player uh, before or since. And so it looked like he was throwing six or seven miles an hour faster than he was actually throwing, uh, which is why for his entire career up until, you know, his time with the Rays this season, he was able to really just just outperform expectations. I remember when he was in low A, I was covering prospects. It was the, the first time I was writing about prospects for the New York Yankees. And he was just putting up these incredible seasons. And the Yankees had him on a schedule. He was pitching like four innings every three days or something like that and just blowing people away. And before we knew it, he was in the majors. He stuck around for a long time. One of those players I wish hadn't gone away. Yeah, I was Me wondering too. why the Yankees gave him up sad. and then they got him back for 17 and 18. But uh, I really, really enjoyed watching him. Me too. He was also kind of, um, he was the connection to Rivera, right? Rivera taught him a cutter, sat with him in the bullpen for all those years. Then Rivera leaves and he hands it off to Robertson or Soriano kind of being in there as well. And to me like that, I like that connection. I like, I like that, that, um, you know, there's a little bit of DNA left for Mariano Rivera, even after Rivera left. Um, so yeah, David Robertson, uh, one of those players, maybe, maybe he'll come back to the Yankees one last time. And speaking of that, it was Sparky Lyle who taught Ron Guidry the slider, as I recall. So that's, right. it, that, that's another great story. The order actually shifted, if you, if you looked really closely on this one, that uh, Tebby gets the second pick on the second reliever. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Johnny Murphy, who was the Grandma. go-to guy in the Yankee bullpen in the 1930s. He played from 34 to 43. And if you think about it, they won 36, 37, 38, 39, 41, 43. They won the World Series all those years. He was their guy in the bullpen, uh, multi, multi-time All-Star, um, six-time World Series winner. Johnny Murphy's my guy. That's a great pick. I'm going to pick an underrated Yankee. I think he led the league in ERA in 1982. He was a lefty. He was uh, he actually had two different tours of Tootie with the Yankees. And his name was Rudy May. And Rudy May becomes my second relief pitcher. All right. EJ, you didn't think we'd finish, but I think we I think we have plenty of time. Now we have a DH who can really be anybody now, and then a bench player who can really be anybody. These are two like wild card picks. So we can get one each, well, really two last guys, but two uh a couple last chances to pick a player that somehow we couldn't get in one of the earlier rounds who's still on the board. And the so player I'm, I'm who picks first for the DH is, is EJ. I'm going to make a call here on DH, and that is that we don't count defensive wins for, for DH. Uh, oh, so you, yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're not going to get, we're not get defense out of DH, which means I am taking Jason Giambi. Um, Jason Giambi was – I think it's weird. It, it felt like when Jason Giambi was on the team that he was worse than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a lot of he got a lot of um, uh, a lot of bad press for being not that great at defense, for playing DH, for being injured a little bit. When you look at the numbers, oh my God! Right, like I would kill to have that 400 on base percentage, 500 plus slugging percentage over the course of his decline years. Right, the, you know they got they got a couple of old school Giambi seasons, and then they got you know slowly declined Giambi, who by the way turned out to be an incredible hitter. Um, couldn't play defense. Uh, there was this always, always weird debate about whether or not he could hit as a, as a DH or, or whether or not he needed to play the field in order to hit. Uh, but, you know, for the, for the purposes of this team, that, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I'm getting a 400 on base percentage on my team, just, just an incredible hitter while he was a Yankee. Yeah, interesting to say that. I mean, I, I would say that the Yankee fans considered him a disappointment, especially given how terrific he was in those years in Oakland, uh, especially 2001. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, he was a solid hitter. 
and and he he was a steroid guy or at least an accused steroid guy or whatever when everybody's emotions were the most raw about the whole thing right cheating and 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 we're still people are still upset about it justifiably but but you know the the sting of it has has definitely worn off 20 years later so that's a great pick i am so glad you didn't take this guy because i had to get him on my team um one of our favorites in my house of all time number 55 hideki matsui so he's my dh and i'm very happy i got him because uh, all time great one of our favorites yeah, right? I mean, you know, we we're pretty bad with nicknames in baseball these days. If you look at the old school players, you know, you you had you had some some nicknames of character. But you want to talk about nicknames of character? Godzilla, just just incredible. I was there the game that he that broke his Iron Man streak. Mm. So I was I was coming in my my family. We had tickets. We were going to sit down, and mm. we're just sitting just sitting down. You know, in the first inning, the play happens, and you just see Hideki Matsui just go down, and there was a big thing a big thing on the scoreboard not that long afterwards and it was it was pretty sad um but uh um just just an incredible player and you know it's one of those guys you you kind of wish you could see their numbers had they started in the major leagues uh, been drafted out of high school absolutely one of my favorites yeah so Kevin, you actually get the next two picks too the way it works you get a the um, dh and and the bench guy well, for DH, I'm, I'm surprised this guy's still on the board, but uh, I'm going with uh, the big man, Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's a Nobody's great pick. Him yet. But, yeah. um, I mean, he's, his numbers are all, all-time Yankee already, and they're only going to get better. So um, Aaron Judge is my current Yankee on the team. Yeah, I mean, right field is such a deep position for the Yankees we talked about. And uh, and there's other players in right field that we haven't taken yet. I mean, it's really it, – it, it gives you this kind of incredible set of – set of players to choose from. So Aaron Judge is a, is a wonderful pick and he'll, he'll, he'd be, yeah, I'd love to have him as my, my pinch hitter. And then, and then I get a bench player, I guess. Yeah. But that really, it doesn't have to be a, it, it could be another DH. It could be anybody. Yeah. Just I'm going to go player. with uh, Bob Musil, who was on oh, those 20, Yankees, including uh, the 27, um, you know, the, the murderers row team. Um, I mean, he, he was a 300 hitter, hit, hit doubles, uh, just strong player all around. And, um, you know, a nice compliment to Ruth Garrett and Lazari. Member of Murderer's Row, I think he hit like three thirty-seven in nineteen twenty-seven. It was just ridiculous. So great pick. Uh, and then EJ, your last guy. Well, in the spirit of a bench player, I'm on, I want somebody with some utility. I want somebody who can pinch run for me. Maybe hit a home run in a uh, in, in a pinch. And so I'm going for Alfonso Soriano. Oh, another mm, interesting pick. forty forty player, almost uh, just a a. Uh, had he not been traded for Alex Rodriguez, I would love to see his place in Yankee history. He came back later, but he was old. He wasn't very good. Uh, he didn't come back in the best of circumstances. Uh, but he was pretty great for for Texas after they traded him. And, you know, while he was a Yankee, he was just absolutely incredible. He had some big moments, including the 2001 World Series. And, again, if, if I want a player who actually fills that bench role, when he was running, when he was young, one of the best base runners I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. All right. You leave me with two choices as I'm looking at my notes here. I could pick the weird choice pick, Snuffy Sternweiss, and he's a good bench player. Uh, and I think he won an MVP in the 40s. If, if not, he was close. Uh, played mostly second base for those great 40s teams or... We pick Paul O'Neill, who's been left off the board all this time. Um, let's see. Pip, Rolf, Rivers, Henrik, 
and Matsue are all lefties. The righties on my team are Randolph, Elberfeld, Munson, and Roy White's a switch hitter. So I think to be weak on righties. So that's making me lean towards Snuffy Sturmweiss, but all right, I'll take Snuffy Sturmweiss, and we'll just have some fun with it. Now I have a backup infielder in case Randolph or a kid Elberfeld get hurt. We did it. We made th- we made it through the entire draft, and we still have a couple of moments. So let's let each person just give a couple last thoughts, and uh, and and what we'll do, what I will do next week or over this coming week, and we'll announce it next week. Tevi, can you join us again? Always happy to join. Oh yes. All right. So so Dr. Tevi Troy will be with us again next Monday, and I will reveal whose team is the highest WAR. This should be interesting. And again, we're not counting WAR for the DH position. So, uh, defensive war for the DH position. That was an audible that EJ called. So, last, I think, last thought. I think this is a fun exercise because there's a lot of players here who, in any other franchise, would be considered one of the legendary players of the franchise. Um, but in, in Yankee history, because they have the long history, because they have the history of just the, the amazing number of great players, a lot of these guys just kind of get lost. And I, and I'm I, I love learning about the guys who were, you know, the Brett Gardner's of the 1960s, because, you know, they, you know, when, when you talk about the 1960s, you're going to talk about Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford and Roger Maris and, and all of those guys and not the, the guys who were really important to that era. And, and, and I wonder how a guy like, let's say Aaron Judge doesn't have a Hall of Fame career. Let's see, he has another good three or four seasons and then kind of fades away. I wonder how people will talk about Aaron Judge 20 or 30 years from now um, in Yankee history. And, uh, you know, and I, and I know I know the, the, the players that were on the teams that that were great when I was growing up. And I know I'm going to tell people about Hideki Matsui. I'm going to tell people about Paul O'Neill and Bernie Williams and all those guys. Uh, and, and that that's just the great part about being a Yankee fan. So, you know, the Yankees are the, are the best team at Old Timers Day. And uh, and I think this is just one big exercise in that. That was it was a lot of fun. Tevi, uh, any other thoughts? Yeah, a couple of quick thoughts. So, so first of all, that uh, that great Oscar Gamble picture um i came across that while i was thinking about this and and when i was thinking the dh position would be someone who actually played only dh and so gamble oh. was, was definitely up there and, and there so that's why i fed the picture into john early uh the second is a guy who um was on my board who i thought w- w- um i would need to pick um for shortstop was gonna be tony kubek and uh when i was looking into tony kubek i remember i think he's he was a great player played on a bunch of world series winning team but he's probably best known for the 1960 World Series, when the Yankees are playing the Pirates, the Yankees crush the Pirates in three games, but lose four heartbreakers by one run to the Pirates. And the fourth game is famously the Mazeroski game. You know, the Yankees had a big lead in that game, and they blew it in large part because Bill Verdon hit a ground ball that hit a pebble and then hit Kubek in the throat, right? You're putting your hand on your throat. And that, uh, but, and that allowed the Pirates to tie the game, and then eventually they won it with the Mazeroski home run. And Kubek never got over that. That was something that always bothered him, even later in his life, if you mentioned it to him. And so in the 63 World Series, Phil Silvers, who was a comedian and a big Dodgers fan, was talking to reporters, and he was telling how to uh, get under the Yankee skin. He said, just show Kubek a pebble. So. Interesting. Wow. Now, interesting, you know who didn't get picked, too? And we didn't even talk about him. And I believe that if they never invented the statistic of war, he would have actually been one of the first guys we picked. But his career actually um, statistically comes up much weaker 
when you look at it in retrospect, he never walked, even though he was a leadoff hitter. He was a Yankee second baseman. As far as classiest people ever, he might have, he might, if we ever did a list like this of who's the classiest guy ever to play for the Yankees, it might have been him. But that's Bobby Richardson, who, uh, who played with Tony Kubek. Um, I, I think people would say that he was one of the best Yankee second basemen of all time, but he's sort of been overshadowed over the years. Yeah, and, that, and that very same World Series we're talking about, he was the World Series MVP on a losing team, right? He had 12 RBIs, and that, I mean, he was incredible in that World he Series. He hit almost 500, or he hit over 500, yeah. right? Yeah, Something he was, like that. He was terrific. I think he had 500 in that World Series, but he, he was just terrific. And, uh, you know, still kind of uh, bugs me that the Yanks didn't win that one. Mm. He, he, even though we weren't even around for it, but, but yeah, you get mad in, in retrospect. Right. Reading the he history had, is making me mad. He and Tony Kubek... Uh, we're, we're very straight-laced. And when the other Yankees, like Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford and those guys went out and partied, those guys never did. And they called them like the milkshake twins, right? Because right. they, they went out and they just had milkshakes. And if I were a Yankee, that's where I would have been. I would have been hanging out with Tony Kubek and Bobby Richardson. Good guys um, to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> if you hang out with Mickey Mantle, you just get in trouble. That's And then they would have traded me because right. I wouldn't have been good enough. I would have been like, like Billy Martin. Martin. <laughs> Uh, guys, this was fun. This was great. Uh, a great chance to look back over the entire history of the Yankees. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think I think I came in third place. I'm I'm not overly confident that I I picked the highest WAR guys, but uh, this will be interesting to see how it all turns out. It's going to be fun, and I might be calling both. Uh, I might be calling EJ. I guess. But I might have to make a three-way trade or something. I've got to somehow get Nettles on my team. I'm going to have to uh, make a three-for-one trade or something. Nope, there's no trades. We're not allowed to do that. But I'm a little bummed I didn't get my favorite player. Well, look, Ladies you and tell your favorite Nettles story. Because, uh, I mean, I, I remember that uh, Game 3, 1978 World Series when the Yankees were down 2 nothing to the Dodgers. It looked grim. And Nettles was just a vacuum cleaner. I mean, Gidry was pitching. They kept hitting balls down to third base. And he was diving and making those plays over and over again. And he saved the Yankees' season, and, and that, that's they—they they only won the World Series because of Nettles' glove in that game. I agree with that. And I was so upset as a kid that he didn't win the MVP of the World Series because I think that was when he when the Yankees turned the tide. So, absolutely. Was Brian Doyle the MVP of the World Series? Oh, that's. Uh, I think Brian Doyle was the runner-up. I think it was Bucky Dent. It was Bucky Dent, right? I mean, the two of them were—I mean, light hitters. Unbelievable. Who had a tremendous World Series. Because Willie Randolph was hurt. He had hurt his hamstring, as I recall. He wasn't even in the lineup, which is crazy. Um, but great stuff. What And EJ's right. When you talk Yankees, there's never uh, uh, the opportunity for this conversation to go stale because there's so much history, history on top of history on top of history. This has been great fun. We're going to pick this up again next Monday with other Yankee topics, hopefully even a discussion about the fact that the lockout is over. Wouldn't that be great? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Start Spreading the News show on the Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Thank you for watching. Thanks.